You're listening to Almost Famous, a music industry podcast championing independence powered by The Famous Company. Whether you're an artist or music industry professional, ensure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Right, people, we're back for another episode. And let's be honest, we're ending Pride Month on the best way possible. I am joined by promoter and events manager, one of Bristol own, Liam John. How are you feeling today? <laughs> thank you very much, my friend. Yeah, very good. Thank you. It's really nice to be uh, getting involved with this project, um, uh, especially on the back of Pride Month, as you've just said. So, yeah, thank you very much for welcoming me uh, to take part in this today. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you're here. Um, I'm going to start this the way I've started every single interview this month. If you could let me know what your pronouns are. Um, he and him. Fantastic. And my second question is, how did you get your start in music? Wow. Um, I mean, music's always been a part of myself um, growing up as a kid. Um, I was always in school plays and studied music, played the clarinet and things like that. Um, so. Um, I used to sing a lot of jazz and big band music at school. Um, but then when I started, well, when I was 16, um, I started getting into my dance music and stuff. And um, I was very drawn to like the Chicago house scene, uh, which is influenced by a lot of R&B, jazz uh, and, and big band music. So that just kind of seemed like a natural fit for me. Um, so music has always been my drive and passion. Um, but I think it was about seven years ago now, um, I was working for a hairdresser's and we uh, used to do pop-up stuff at festivals. Uh, cutting hair uh, while providing great dance music and DJs and drag queens and things like that. So that was my first taste of promoting. Um, and then I managed to get myself a job at Motion in Bristol, and uh, which I started as an artist liaison runner. So I was just working backstage um, at the venues, looking after all the DJs and things like that, agents, management. Um, and then that led me on to becoming the artist liaison manager, um, which then saw me managing quite a few different teams um, across the world um, at different festivals and whatnot. Um, so then just working in that industry and meeting so many different creative people um, and working at a venue like Motion, um, you know, I took the opportunity and used my platform, you know, the business that I was involved with to create um, our party, Bitch Please. Yeah, I want to get onto that. What what is Bitch Please and and how did it come about? So Bitch Please is a it's 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 a party, it's a gathering, um, it's a community event. Um, but we focus more on uh, dance music, house music, disco, um, techno, and stuff. And basically, um, I'd say when I started coming up to Bristol when I was a lot younger than 18. Um, the music scene um, in Bristol was very dance house music orientated. Um, and I think there was this moment in time when the gay community became a lot more accepted and um, cool to go to gay bars and stuff for, say, the heterosexual community. Um, yeah. And there was this big shift um, from, you know, the house music scene, um, which does, you know, come sometimes along with uh, drugs, um, et cetera. And there was this kind of shift where it was deemed, you know, a not a good thing, um, having dance mm. music and stuff in our community. 
Um, so all the bars and the clubs kind of became very generic um, with what was going on. And there's this huge community of creative people, uh, performers, uh, musicians, uh, DJs and stuff that just didn't really fit in anywhere. Um, and we've had successful promoters in Bristol, like Don't Tell Your Mother, um, Horseplay, um, that were able to step away from the, the queer venues and find new spaces where uh we as uh, community members could flourish with different types of music, different communities. And, and uh, we started Bitch Please purely because there was something missing um, from the community. And dance music very much orientated, uh, originated, sorry, from uh, the gay clubs, you know, going back to Studio 54 days, uh, which was very much celebrated. And we just felt like our city was missing something, basically. And someone who was prepared to take on, you know, the big clubs, the heterosexual environments, um, mm. kind of reclaiming our dance floors, basically. When you say drugs and I'll, OK, I'll, I'll loosely say the word culture mm -hmm. around that. Um, are you saying that you wanted to um, get away from that? As in, it's not, it's really not, a thing that you guys do I it shouldn't be at any club really of course the law of is course, the law course, but yeah. do you guys really kind of like hone in on that as your one of your messages as this this is a thing that we do not do at bitch please yeah and but also it's creating a space where like I say it comes hand in hand with the culture we can't control who uh comes in through the doors and who's who's taking substances and things like mm -hmm. that um but also creating a space where the security, the paramedics um, and, uh, and us as promoters um, are creating a safe space in regards to if people are coming to do this kind of stuff, we know how to handle it. We know how to look after people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's prepared on those levels. Again, like I said, you can't control what comes into a club, unfortunately. But mm. our message is um, integration of of different communities um coming together to, to have fun in a safe environment basically yeah yeah of course um let's let's go from kind of one solved problem to another then um covid yes. is <laughs> let's say the last 18 months have not been great for the events mm -hmm. industry um what do you think the uk club scene or the club scene maybe around the world we we, we may not just talk about uk here what do you think we have to do to survive this pandemic? It's been so challenging um, as promoters. I mean, there's all different types of promoters, you know, for us, example, um, we're very small time promoters. We don't have a lot of money behind us. Um, and every penny we raise from our events go to putting the next event on. Uh, we don't uh, generally make any profit. So it's been quite a challenging time to read create yourselves um, and how to keep yourself present um, at, dur during these times. Um, you know, a lot, we saw a lot of people going online and doing live streaming, um, which we also did ourselves. Um, and we were working with Caring in Bristol. Um, so we, we managed to get a handful of DJs from across the UK to do some live streams. Um, so we could raise funds um, for the charity, which we raised a thousand pound for. So, you know, we, we kept ourselves present and we were doing some good during these times and just yeah. trying to keep everyone engaged with us. But it's so challenging at the moment in regards to the venues. Um, you know, they are 
hemorrhaging so much money um yeah. you know trying to keep their businesses afloat um and you know it's quite clear that the government haven't really you know taken an interest in our in our events community which which I'll say you know, that, yeah. such a broad thing you know with our theatres you know mm. uh, theatres clubs pubs hospitality obviously all of us have been really affected by it and um it's very um hard uh you know when half the country is still unemployed um losing their livelihoods you know the money that people are like you know remortgaging houses to try and keep venues afloat and things like that and um yeah it's just been very just left to us um but then Mm. obviously when things are back up and running again the government are going to be looking at us (laughs) to be bringing in such a big revenue again to the country so it's it is very challenging at the moment we've announced uh, pride parties for Bristol Pride obviously on the uh, 10th of July um, and then the government pushback so that's thousands of pounds that we've thrown into an event um, which we could potentially lose again now and then having to recreate sit-down sessions um, and things like that so it, it has been very challenging I think the, the I say plus side is we know there are other things now we can do if anything like this comes up again, um, you know, with the socially distancing, things like that, and doing sit-down sessions. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's been very, very hard. Um, and, you know, we're seeing a lot of loss in regards to promoters. Um, such great big events, um, you know, just gone now because of what's been going on. So it's been challenging and I just hope, you know, people just hold on to, <laughs> to everything they can, they do and their talent and just wait, wait until we are out of all of this, basically. Yeah. You and I clearly didn't take the government advice last year and retrain in cyber. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you've, you've probably got your, uh, your ear to the ground better than I have. So, so I'll ask you for um, what do you think artists are currently thinking right now um especially well actually let me ask you and then you give me what you think the artists are thinking where do we stand with today's rules and do you think more people are kind of if we go into another lockdown do you think you may have to go elsewhere are we going to lose this community spirit are we going to lose these um let's say not so well-funded events and do you think the artists um anyone from singer songwriters to drag queens do you think they're going to shy away from it because the money's not there it is really 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 hard i mean i think anyone that's creative at all you know we choose a path that is very challenging um to, you know to become a solid figure in that scene and to be raising uh, money you know mm-hmm. good paid jobs and stuff um that is naturally a hard thing to do anyway and now obviously with this obstacle of no events and no money and stuff we we will we will see a loss um in all these creative people because they have to take jobs within the norm the normal uh, society um you know and that was something that i refused to do um Same. you know i've paid my taxes <laughs> all of my life um, and as a gay man, apart from things that go on your local community, there's not a lot we actually ask for um, out of this tax money and stuff. So I refused to get that job at Tesco, um, you know, um, or, or Aldi, <laughs> just, yeah. just persevere. Um, 
but it, that it's quite hard. I'm lucky I have a team um, around me. I have uh, my business partners, Ellie Stokes and Suze Rosser. So I've Shout been very out. lucky that the three of us, you know, have been able to stick together and uh, and just keep each other motivated and, like I say, trying mm-hmm. to uh, become creative. But we're also faced with Brexit and stuff um, when regards to uh, events industries. And obviously when we come out of this, we still have to deal with the fact that a lot of these people have to apply for visas now to come and perform in our country and don't actually get a lot of touring time um, when they're allowed to visit the country. So we're also dealing with that backlash of, uh, of Brexit as well. Um, and it's just been a whirlwind of a year trying to coincide with what is going on with Brexit and COVID. Do you, do you think the artists that you work with closely, they've got the same mindset? Yeah, I think so. Totally. I mean, no one knows what the future future is and again we're in this uh industry where you know festivals etc you know the the fashion of a festival could end next week and we could be out of jobs um and things like that and I think that we're always on that kind of risk of you know something not always being forever Mm -hmm. um so yeah I just think that is a uh we're already always naturally like feeling (laughs) that anxious of you know how long will will this last um of, of, of our creativity and stuff and will we be able to keep up with how uh the future um events industry uh becomes sorry i'm mm. wrong now <laughs> oh no i love it. i love it let's go let's go from um enough talk about maybe government mm-hmm. um let's keep an eye on what they're thinking and what they're gonna do um let's jump to uh, more community spirit the lgbtq yes. plus community yeah um, of course as an events industry what do you think and this is not just this is not just the community itself this is everyone a wider audience what do you think we have to do to become better at looking after the lgbtq plus community both promoters managers artists yeah i mean safe spaces obviously are so important um for our community and and that's one thing that we you know we've really strived um with our ethos of bitch please is that everyone and anyone can come to our events um you know having trans people bearing their scars dancing with their tops off stood next to a heterosexual person um, and not feeling threatened or worried uh, about who is there at that event safe spaces are so important and you know like say we're on the verge of losing a lot of these safe spaces for our community um <laughs> loving other people um it's as cheesy as it sounds but there can be a lot of um bigotry within our community from, from one another um and mm. i think we need to just be really mindful and open um to all the different types of walks of life that are in our community and and sticking together i mean through history we've proven by sticking together <laughs> in the masses that you know we belong here um uh, as a community and uh, and yeah, like I said, the, the threat of losing safe spaces um, in our community is quite high at the moment. So we just really need to stick together on this. Mm. Do you, um, now this might be a bit of a tough one. Um, do you consider maybe the commercialization of pride is taken away from the true meaning and history of what yeah. this month means? Yeah, totally. Um, I think pride main pride events um (laughs) sorry that I'm throwing this one at you no not at all because I think it's a very very important point to talk about um I feel that a lot of pride 
day events um, are focused on more about pleasing the eye of uh, heterosexual communities um, so they feel welcome to come to our events. Um, and a, a lot of aspects of our community are kind of watered down or kept out um, of these events. And um, the uh, commercialization of uh, Pride in itself, um, every company jumping on the rainbow uh, bandwagon wanting to throw money uh, into the organizations and stuff. This is over the last few years um, been quite a high topic focal point. Um, and um, I definitely think, think and feel that it's affecting what we're about. Um, yeah. Even with the whole uh, government trying to put the bill in in regards to protests and stuff, you know, our pride marches le became labelled pride parades. And it was kind of like, I don't know, I just felt very like, you know, we should be carrying on as what this day is and which is a protest um you know uh, for our rights as as lgbtq people mm. um and i think like you say it has kind of been shunned away that um a more of a money marketing um experience and day you know do these companies follow through with supporting our community after that one day or do their pride flags come down straight away that's that's the issue, and also I um so as 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 a straight man looking from at the outside looking in, um I see these pride events as a um lesson. It's education, mm -hmm. and that's what I love. You don't really get that in school, um yeah. but to me, pride has just always been um a lot of people with like rainbow paint over their face and getting drunk. Mm -hmm. um up until recent years where people have actually wanted to have the conversation this is the kind of true meaning this is it do you also think that takes away from it as well the the, the teenagers who just run around getting pissed on a field yes, yes. <laughs> yeah I mean for me I was thinking about this question earlier you know what does pride mean to me and pride means to me like you know this, my personal struggle uh the pride I took on you know who I am as a person um and not being silenced because of that um I grew up in an army household um uh, which could be quite intimidating for any child um to to be gay to be queer and um kind of felt like I had a lot of people controlling my destiny as a person and who I was and this was just one thing that I wasn't going to budge on um so you know I moved out of home when I was 16 and um you know that struggle is real um and when I look back on the word pride it's my own personal journey of like I say being proud of who I am and controlling my life and and and, and running with it um and I think people don't stop to think of everything you know there's a lot of gay people out there but we've all got our own personal story of our, our struggle of coming out um and being who we are so I think people tend to you know forget about that part of it like you say and just paint their faces up and run around and oh it's a it's a fun day kind of thing well you know there's a history behind it um and yeah. I think people really do need to learn that I think there's a lot of um there can be sometimes a lot of racist uh, racism within our own community um, in regard to marches and stuff. And people forget also that if it wasn't for black uh, people of color, trans uh, women, you know, we wouldn't have prides. And, you know, you yeah. see this racism and it's like, guys, you know, you wouldn't be able to 
here doing this now if it wasn't for this community um so just like you know do your homework <laughs> really learn about <laughs> yeah. what pride means and i think you know you would have a different outlook on on that day yeah definitely you know what you actually took my uh my, my last question from me which was what does pride mean to you um, however i will you said some interest in that about the, the 16 year old you now mm-hmm. i'd love to know and this is this is my final one for you today so i'm sorry for grilling you no, uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um what what would you say to uh to 16 year old liam now oh god um what would i say to 16 year old liam um that is a very hard question let me give me a minute on that one <laughs> yeah yeah take your time take your time um what i would say to 16 year old liam keep your head up high um you know times are going to be tough w- within your own family unit and your um regarding your sexuality and other people's outlooks on uh, queer people um could bring you down um but just just stay true to who you are and and keep persevering there's only one person you need to look out for in life and that's yourself um flourish in your creativity um and yeah be proud a massive thank you to Liam and for more interviews, AMAs, tips and tricks and exclusive content, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The Famous Co. That's at The Famous Co. Tap that subscribe or follow button. My name is Zaid and we'll see you all next time. You've been listening to Almost Famous, a music industry podcast powered by The Famous Company. If you're an independent artist or music industry professional, for more information, head to www.thefamouscompany.com.